0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Food in 5. Today we are continuing with my Kitchen Clueless Cooking course, and today we are going to be talking about basic knife skills, from how to sharpen a knife to how to hold one. We'll also talk about some basic cutting techniques and why you should know them. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food in 5. Let's get to it. Why are knife skills important? Knowing the basic knife skills I'm about to lay out for you is important for a lot of reasons. First and foremost, it'll make you quicker and more efficient in the kitchen. Secondly, it is much safer to use a knife when you know the proper techniques. And thirdly, when your cooking becomes quicker and you feel safer, it becomes more fun. If you enjoy cooking more, you will want to cook more. The more you cook, the better you will get at it and the more you will enjoy it. See what I'm getting at here? Okay, let's take a look at knife skills. So a sharp knife is a safe knife. Knives can be scary. Believe me, I have the scars on my hands to prove it. But every single scar on my hand got there because I was using a knife incorrectly or I was using a knife that wasn't as sharp as it should have been. The common belief is that a knife is too sharp, it will be more likely to cut you or that if you do cut yourself, it will be way worse than with a dull knife. Let me put the record straight once and for all. This belief is 100% false. A dull knife is much, much more dangerous than a sharp knife. Why is a dull knife more dangerous than a sharp one? Well, in some ways, it does seem counterintuitive that that a sharp knife is safer than a dull one. That is, until you really start to think about it. The real benefit of a sharp knife is that it is easily going to cut through the food. A dull knife on the other hand will slide around and possibly slip into your finger. A sharp knife also requires much less force than a dull knife to cut. Now imagine you're cutting a bell pepper. Your knife is dull and as you begin to cut the pepper you find that you need to put some real force behind the knife to get it to go through the pepper skin. As you're coming down with all that force the knife slips because it's too dull to cut into the pepper. The knife slips right into the fingers of your hand and you've ruined dinner and you have to go to the hospital to get a few stitches. Example two, now imagine that you're cutting another bell pepper. This time your knife knife is sharp. As you begin to cut the pepper, you notice that the knife effortlessly glides through the pepper and requires next to no force. Even though the knife is sharp and it is easily cutting through the pepper, let's imagine that it snags a pepper seed and slips. Because you aren't putting very much force into the knife as it slips, you you have more than enough time to pull your hand back and save your fingers. Even though it was a close call, It could have been much worse. These two examples are based on real situations I've been in and that I've seen countless times. You may think that I'm exaggerating the differences between a dull knife and a sharp knife, but I promise you I'm not. I can't tell you the number of times I would have cut myself if, if not for that split second I had to pull my hand away, all because I wasn't putting that much force into my knife. To illustrate my point, I'm going to give you an experiment to do. Don't worry, you'll still have your fingers at the end of this. You should seriously do this. Go to any doorframe in your house and stand in the middle of it with your hands flat at your sides. Put the back of your hands against the doorframe and push as hard as you can for 15 to 20 seconds. Step out of the doorframe and watch what happens to your arms. After another 15 to 20 seconds, step back into the doorframe and gently put your hands on the doorframe for 15 to 20 seconds and step out. I'm willing to put money on the fact that the results were much more dramatic when you stepped out of the doorframe the first time compared to the second time. The point of this is to simply illustrate that when applying a great amount of force, you give up an amount of control, and that force has to be released in some way. At, for, at first, it was being released into the door frame, but when the door frame was taken away, it was released into the air. When you're using a dull knife and putting all that force into it and it slips, that force has to go somewhere. The knife is going to go very quickly into whatever direction it has slipped. Hopefully, that isn't the direction that, that your fingers are in. Excuse me. How to sharpen a knife. One common problem is that most people don't know how to sharpen their knives. Maybe you don't have to. Wherever you live, there is probably a professional knife sharpening company. It won't be very expensive. You'll only need to get it done once or twice a year, and it will be worth it. Just Google knife sharpening in your town. Sharpening tools. Another point that I wanna make here is that it isn't that difficult to sharpen a knife. You may think that you need a fancy whetstone or an electric sharpener, but you don't. I'm willing to bet you $100 that you actually have everything you need to sharpen your knives already. Don't believe me? Do you have a coffee mug? What about a ramekin? Anything that is ceramic will at the very least have a ring on the bottom that is unglazed. This can be used to sharpen your knife. I know it sounds crazy, but I've done this many, many, many times and it works like a dream. You can actually take a very dull knife and work it on us on the ceramic for a few minutes and get it razor sharp the key to sharpening a knife is the angle at which the blade glides across the stone or ceramic a good guide to getting the proper angle is a penny if you can find one put the knife flush with a flat surface the handle will need to be hanging off the table cutting board or whatever flat surface you're using now take a penny slide it under the top of of the blade close to the handle The angle this creates is pretty much the angle you want the knife at as it's gliding across the sharpening surface. The second most important thing to keep in mind when sharpening a knife is consistency. The angle must remain the same at all times, and the number of strokes across the sharpening surface must be the same for both sides of the blade. If the number of strokes is different per side, this could eventually ruin your knife. Rather than going one for one, On the strokes, one stroke, flip the blade, one stroke, flip the blade. I prefer to go five for five or 12 for 12. It doesn't really matter as long as it stays even. Sharpening technique. When sharpening a knife, you want to push the blade forward across the stone rather than pulling it backwards. This may seem counterintuitive, but is the proper way to do it. Dragging the blade back across the sharpening surface can round the edge of your knife, making it very dull. Now before you move on to the next section, I suggest doing a little homework. Go to your kitchen, grab a knife and a mug. Flip the mug over on your counter exposing the uncoated ceramic on the bottom. Use that uncoated ceramic uh, to sharpen your knife as I described. You'll be amazed at how well this works. Just remember to keep that angle consistent and to keep an equal number of strokes per side of the blade. Now that your knife is nice and sharp, let's move on to the next section. How to hold a knife. Other than having a sharp knife, nothing is more important when it comes to knife safety than the grip you have on your knife. The wrong grip can leave you with little to no control. It can also lead to hand cramps and fatigue. The proper grip on the other hand will give you maximum control over the knife while being relaxed enough to keep your hand from cramping or getting fatigued. I've seen people hold knives in a variety of ways. Some are okay and some are terrible. But of all the holds I have seen, there are two that stand out as the most common. The wrong knife holds, the way back grip. So first of all, we have what what I call the way back grip. The knife is held very far back on the handle and this grip makes it look like the person is holding the knife, but trying to run away from the blade. The main problem with this grip is that the knife holder has no control over the knife. The knife will be very wobbly in the hand because This is not where the handle is designed to be held. It doesn't fit in the hand properly. And as I'm sure you may have guessed, a wobbly knife is an unsafe knife. Not only that, but there is no way to get consistency with your cuts when your knife is wobbling around like crazy. The way back grip also completely changes the center of gravity for the knife, which can lead to problems, a lot of problems when cutting. The pointing finger grip. The pointer finger grip is a little better than the way back grip, but not by much. This grip is where the knife holder places the index finger on top of the knife blade. This also reduces the knife holder's control over the knife. Besides the increased potential for cramping, this technique turns the knife into a blunt object, removing its innate agility. There are three main ways to use a knife. Rock it back and forth, push and pull it, or chop it straight up and down. The pointing finger grip locks the knife in the hand in such a way that it prevents the freedom of motion required to properly and efficiently use those three main techniques. In essence, it slows you down, makes you less precise, and makes the knife more dangerous by giving you less control. There is also a weird thing that I I have seen time and time again with this grip. For whatever reason, when holding the knife in the pointer finger grip, the knife holder hand has a tendency to migrate up the blade. Sometimes this becomes so extreme that they're no longer in contact with the handle at all, only holding the blade. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I've seen this happen time and time again. The proper way to hold a knife. I want to make something very clear. There is no one right way to hold a knife, but there are two that are best. Which one you use is determined by the size of your knife in relation to your hand and comfort. Let's take a look. Now, when I was a little boy, I played Little League. And almost every time a player was at bat, the coach coach would yell to them to choke up on the bat. What he meant was to hold the bat higher on the handle, changing both the pivot point and the center of gravity of the bat. This allowed our tiny hands more control over the bat. Using a knife is very similar. The more you choke up on the handle, the closer to the blade of the knife you position your hand, the more control you'll have over the knife. I always suggest to people that they hold the knife as high on the handle as is comfortable in their hands. Again, this is really gonna depend on the size of the handle in relation to your hand. The knife that I use uh, most often has a fairly thin handle. Because of this, it is most comfortable for me to pinch the blade between my thumb and index finger just before it meets the handle. My other three fingers wrap around the bottom of the handle in a relaxed but firm grip. This is the grip that I most prefer and the one I recommend most. The second grip is really just a nice, firm but relaxed grip on the handle. Again, as close to the blade as possible. Your other hand. Let's just clarify one thing right off the bat. Flat fingers create a big target for an out of control knife. Holding your hand flat against a piece of food while cutting is a really good way to cut yourself very badly. The middle finger first position. A common cooking conundrum is how to hold the fingers on your other hand while you're cutting I call what I'm about to describe to you the middle finger first position. The best way I can figure to describe this is to stand your hand straight up on a cutting board. The fingertip of your middle finger should be the only part of your hand touching the board. Now bend your middle finger, only so much that the fingertips of your index and ring fingers are now touching the board in line with your middle finger. Now as scary as this will be to most of you, that first knuckle on your middle finger The one that is slightly ahead of the ring and index fingers should always be in contact with the side of your knife. It acts as a guide and stabilizes your knife. As you cut, the side of your knife should always be gently pushed into your middle finger. It is the finger that moves backwards and guides the knife. So it is the hand that is holding the food that controls the width of the cut, not the knife hand. The middle finger first position also gives an additional point of contact with the knife, the first knuckle of your middle finger. This acts as a stabilizing force on the knife. This should ideally be two to three points of contact on the knife at all times. Knife in the hand, the knuckle against the side of the blade, and the tip of the knife on the cutting board. We'll get more into that last one when we look at more in depth and proper cutting techniques. holding your fingers in the middle first position will seem awkward in the beginning. The more you do it, the more natural it will become. Now, as we've seen, there are multiple benefits to this finger position. First of all, it creates a much smaller target than the flat finger position. It you puts your fingers in a position that makes it very quick and easy to pull away should the knife slip, it helps to stabilize your knife, and it also allows you to cut more accurately and with greater speed. Proper cutting technique. We touched on proper cutting techniques a little bit earlier in this post, but now we're going to get into into it in a bit of depth. In movies and on TV shows, when an actor playing a chef or a cook cuts something, it pretty much always happens in the same way. They essentially just smash their knife through the food and onto the cutting board over and over. This may look kind of cool, but it's stupid for so many reasons. Knives are not hammers. Knives are not hammers, so they shouldn't be used like one. Unless you are incredibly proficient with a knife, there is no possible way to get any uniformity in your cuts when cutting in this TV style. Because of the diminished control and precision that comes with using a knife in this way, the risk of injury is increased dramatically. It will also dull your knife, damage your cutting board, and bruise your food, which can cause some foods to turn bitter. Rather than using brute force to smash through foods, knives should be thought of as gliders. Excuse me, knives as gliders. Imagine a standard kitchen knife. Now imagine the blade of the knife is cut into even thirds. For most things, the back third of the blade is what should be cutting through the food. The side of the middle third of the blade should be always in contact with the first knuckle of your middle finger. And some portion of the front third of the blade should always be in contact with the cutting board. Now, if you're cutting really large things, obviously the knife isn't going to be on a giant angle with the tip on the cutting board, but in reason, the the tip should be on the cutting board. When cutting, rather than using an up and down motion, like a chop, the knife should be pushed forward and down so that it glides through the food. Then it should be pulled back and up to reset the position. You can think of it like a sewing machine or like the piece of metal that connects the two wheels on one side of a locomotive. It is very important That some portion of the front third of the blade always be in contact with the cutting board when using this technique. This technique is used for slicing small to medium sized foods and it has lots of advantages. First of all, it is much easier on the wrist, arm, and hand than most other techniques. It is very safe because the knife always has three points of contact, your knife hand, your guide hand, and your cutting board. There's little to no force required due to the gliding and slicing motion. Is very accurate and does not bruise food. So what's to lose? Go to your kitchen and get a cucumber or a carrot. Cut it into three-inch chunks and cut those in half lengthwise. Take one of those pieces of cucumber and carrot and place it so that the flat lengthwise cut surface is on the cutting board. Now, just like we talked about, stand your hand straight up on the carrot or cucumber so that only the tip of your middle finger is touching it. Bend the middle finger only enough so that the tip of each finger on either side of it comes into contact with the carrot. The three fingers should be in line with the first knuckle of the middle finger slightly ahead. Take your thumb and little finger and grip the carrot behind your front three fingers to stabilize it. Now carefully, using the glide technique, cut the carrot using your middle finger on your guide hand to control the width of the cut. Take your time. Go slow. There is no need to rush. Speed will come with practice. Basic cuts. Now that we're all on the same page with how to use a knife properly, let's take a look at some basic cuts that will come in handy throughout this course and in your everyday life. How to julienne. Julienne is a type of cut where the food item is cut into a matchstick. The size of the matchstick can vary from 3 by 3 millimeters to 1 by 1 centimeter. Julienne bigger than one centimeter, and the julienne is known as a baton or batonet. A similar style of cut used for soft herbs is known as a chiffonade. For a chiffonade, the herbs are rolled or stacked and cut into long thin strips. To cut food julienne, the food item is uh, excuse me. To cut food julienne, the food item is first cut into equal size pieces, which are then sliced into planks the desired thickness of the final Julienne those planks are then cut lengthwise a width equal to their thickness. So essentially, you just cut a thin board or plank of a food, then you cut that thin plank plank or board into strips the same width as the thickness. How to dice. Dice means small cubes. To dice a food item, other than round foods, The item is first cut into either julienne or baton, depending on the desired size of the final dice. The julienne julienne or baton is then cut across to create evenly sized cubes. The bigger the julienne, the bigger the dice. So essentially you're just cutting rectangles into squares. How to slice and dice an onion. Onions and other round foods like tomato come with three unique challenges and techniques to meet those challenges. Let's talk about how how to slice and dice an onion, sliced onion. When slicing an onion, uh, first cut off the top and bottom, then slice it down through the middle, top to bottom. A lot of people peel onions whole, but this is a pain. So instead, cut the onion in half and then peel it. It'll be much easier. Once the peel is removed, uh, place the two halves of the onion flat on the cutting board. You'll notice lines running the length of the onion from top to bottom. You want to cut these lines, not against them. So you want to cut with them, not against them. Cutting against the line will lead to more onion juice flying in the air and you crying more. Onions also cook better when they're sliced this way rather than across the lines. Dice an onion. To dice an onion, first start by cutting off the top, only the top. Then cut straight down through the root, cutting the onion in half. It is very important that you leave the root attached. Peel the onion, lay the onion flat, and make two Two to six, depending on the desired size of the final dice, evenly spaced horizontal cuts in the onion, again keeping the root intact. As you make the horizontal cuts, keep your hand placed firmly on top of the onion with your fingers up. Fingers up, it's very important. You want to make sure that your fingers are clear in case the knife slips. So once you've completed your horizontal cuts, turn the onion so that the root is pointed away from you and make multiple vertical slices straight down through the onion. Once again, don't cut through the root. You're just gonna use the tip of your knife for this. Then after you make your vertical slices, you should be able to pick your onion up by the root and have it mostly hold together. Now turn the onion once more so that the root is facing away from your knife. Cut straight down through the onion, across the vertical slices, and what you should have is evenly diced onions. Now that may seem very confusing, and let me just clarify. So you've cut the top off the onion, Then you've cut the onion down through the middle. The root is still on. You peel the onion, and you take half the onion, and you just make some vertical slices. So just a couple slices straight down, but not all the way to the end. You don't want to cut through the root, but you want to go straight down to the cutting board. Then turn the onion, make some horizontal slices, and then cut over those, and you'll get a perfectly diced onion. might be easier if you just go to chefsnuts.com, go up to the top, you'll see cooking series, go to cooking 101 or uh, free cooking series or whatever it's called, and then find this post because it'll be a lot easier for you to uh, to see and to hear. Conclusion. Following the basic knife skills I've laid out in this post will help you be a better cook. You'll become faster, which will lead to you enjoying it more and then you'll want to do it more. The big secret here is that you have to consistently use this te- these techniques if you want them to work for you. Listening isn't enough. You have to do the work. Practice, practice, practice. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got something out of this post. I feel like there was a lot of information in there. I'm not sure how it'll translate over a podcast, but I hope you learned something. Thank you for listening. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food and 5, and you can find... This entire post written out at chefsnotes.com um, slash knife dash skills or you can go to chefsnotes.com and in the menu bar uh, click the cooking series drop down menu uh, and look for a free basic cooking course and this entire series will be there. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back on Friday with another fantastic episode of Food and 5 and again we will be continuing with this uh, free basic cooking course. Now, I I mentioned the other day that in the new year, things are going to change up a little bit here. Um, And I don't want to talk about it too much, but I promise you there's some exciting things coming in the new year. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day, everybody. I'll see you later.